0: lives uh, to say I love you that's not associated with body odor. So but thank you. So guys if you got it up there. So uh, since we were here last, um, uh, just shortly after we were here in 2019, we actually started our own sports ministry called Athletes in Rochester. We're not very creative uh, we're trying to think, what should we call it? What should we call it? So we went from Athletes in Action Athletes in Rochester. Uh, we just felt that that would give us more of an opportunity, to have control over our schedule, our finances, and things like that. So uh, we're on the, you know, actually that fall, we actually got onto the RIT campus. So God's expanded the ministry from Brockport to Brockport and RIT um, so, we want to just give you that little bit of update. So, if you see pictures where the athletes are wearing athletes in action shirts, that's still what they know us as. We're, um, we're considered, uh, we're called affiliate staff, which means we're glorified volunteers. We don't get any pay or benefits or anything like that through AIA or Crew, Campus Crusade. Uh, all that is now handled through athletes in Rochester but um so when you see the pictures you understand that there is still a a connection there so go ahead so if you're familiar with our ministry how many have not seen one of our presentations live before okay okay good all right so hopefully this is a blessing uh we want to thank you for uh, your support we uh you know it's um the financial support is obviously important. Uh, we're full-time. This is how we make our living, is through the gospel. But also it's a blessing when Irwin will call and say, hey, you're the missionary of the month. Do you have prayer requests for us? So that's a blessing to know that the church is praying for us. And then I think it was probably about a year or so ago, a year and a half ago, you guys came out and actually helped serve a meal to one of the teams there. And that's how we minister to them. Our motto is demonstrating the love of Christ to demystify the character of God. And if you've had a chance to watch anything in social media, especially if it is geared towards the younger generation at 18 to 25, you know that there's a very, very negative um, understanding or teaching about God. And, uh, you know, the, the, the old man with the beard with the lightning bolt sitting on a chair, Uh, The cosmic killjoy is how a lot of young people see God. And what we have found is getting on the campus and serving them changes their attitude. First of all, uh, our goal is they would change their attitude towards God, they would change their attitude towards Christianity, and that they would change their attitude about Jesus Christ. And then that gives us the opportunity to minister to them individually. All right? So those are just several of the events that we've done. All right? Um, So under our new ministry, we got to take our first missions trip this past June, June of 2021. And we went to Bahamas. We found... Uh, a ministry there that does a tremendous amount of college-age ministry, and then also they use sports to minister to the uh, young people on their island. So we had a chance to take our first missions trip under athletes and action, or athletes in Rochester. Uh, top right is our team. Uh, the couple's name is Don uh, Bob and Donna Maston, who are missionaries with Caribbean Youth Network, and specifically they work. Uh, Nassau, the island of Nassau. And then the guy with the boonie hat on is actually one of the coaches from Brockport who is a believer. He went along with us. One of his players, Ellen, and then the other two are gymnasts from Brockport. And our goal was, uh, we are endeavoring to take the entire volleyball team down there to teach them volleyball. And uh, most of the team are not believers, so, we're hoping to be able to use that time as they teach volleyball, we can exemplify Christ. So, that's who the, we call it the E team because it was Emma, Ellen, and Emily uh, that went down with us. The bottom picture on the right is. Um, When we first got there, uh, Coach Pike and myself had a chance to meet with their national director for volleyball and try to find out if there's a way of playing their national team and things of that nature. Then the next day, we uh, visited one of their government schools and told them that uh, we've got some volleyball uh, aspirations coming there. We got to meet their athletic director. We got to meet their volleyball coach, and they just called an impromptu practice with the coach and Ellen there. So the kids stayed after school and just hung out and played volleyball. We had a chance to get to know them, so that was cool. And then the, the picture on the left, you see the two young ladies. Emma's on top, and Emily is below. They got their Bibles open. We actually visited two different gymnastic clubs. And the, second cl- or the first club, we went two days. And the second day, they got a chance to open the Bible and teach all these girls what God has done in their lives through the sport of gymnastics. Next. So, uh, last two years, even though COVID has obviously, not only within the church, but in all of our lives, and every aspect of our lives, has definitely been uh, a pain to deal with, let's just say it. But what it did for our ministry is the athletes had a lot more time on their hands. They had seasons canceled, And um, if they were allowed to practice, it was maybe once or twice a week. So they ended up with more time on their hands. So that has given us the opportunity to do more evangelistic work with them because if they won't respond and meet with you, you can't do much with them. So in 2020, these are the five folks. The two on the bottom right are wrestlers from RIT. The guy next to me is a football player at Brockport, and the top picture, I know it's hard to see, but the two ladies on my right in the back were uh, hockey, on the hockey team for RIT. Those five accepted Christ in 2020. And then these are the five that got saved last year in 2021. Bryce, a football player. Uh, Jerry was an alumni. A guy on the bottom left, Jerry was an alumni and uh, just kept in contact with him. And uh, we've had him over the house several times Uh, one of the things we do to spend time with the athletes is we hire them to help us with yard work and projects around the house. And God, inevitably, just about every time opens up spiritual conversation. So I went out to eat with Jerry, and he accepted Christ. Uh, Top right is a Gail that Jan was discipling, Natalie, from the gymnastics team. And then she got saved in March. And the bottom right picture is what we were kindly, really kindly referred to as a NARP, a non-athletic regular person. Uh, but she, her roommate hosts Jan's Bible study, so she kind of got trapped. And, but she agreed to be discipled, so she started discipleship last September, and then she got saved in uh, November, and Trevor got saved. He's a wrestler from RIT. He got saved last February. So God has been very good to us. We had another gale. Get assurance of her salvation. So we're just thanking the Lord for what He's done these last two years. And we've had three get baptized. Sam was one of the wrestlers that got saved in 2020. He got baptized. Uh, Amy is in the middle there. Uh, she got baptized last Easter because that was the only time her family could come up. And so uh, Jan had the idea, let's make this a big deal. Let's make this a big deal, and she can invite her teammates. And so she thought, well, maybe we'll get five or ten, you know, teammates, co-workers, and then 15, and then 20, and then 25, and 30, and 35. She had 35 teammates, coworkers, other students, friends come to her baptism And then it's Easter Sunday, so we hosted a whole dinner for them. We had about 10 folks come and help us, even though it was Easter. And we laid uh, ultimate questions. Have you ever seen one of those? I think I have one, I'll show you. It's a nice little booklet that we use to give out. It's like a track on steroids. And uh, we laid them out at each place setting, and 20 of them were gone by the end of the day, and two Bibles. So what a great day that was, and Mara, the lady that, uh, young lady that Jan just led to Christ, got baptized uh, beginning of February, so a month and a half ago. And so uh, we talked to Pastor about giving our sign-up sheet out, but I think what we'll do just to save time is we'll do that during the luncheon afterwards, uh, very wise to have food uh, after I speak, so I'll be a little more concerned with the time, because I hate burnt anything. So, but if you want to go online and do it, our new website is athletesinrochester.com. Athletesinrochester.com. If you forget to sign up at lunch today, uh, feel free to go on there, go to the contact section, and uh, um, just go ahead and give us your info. Uh, We have, and these are very important now, we've got bumper stickers back there. You get 22% better gas mileage. And at almost five bucks a gallon, that will really help you out. And since we were here last, we have some prayer cards. Uh, These are great uh, dartboard material. Uh, They're glossy, so you can put them in the litter box, and the the stuff won't drip through. All right? So, But if you want to pick up one of our new prayer cards... Is that not good? Not good? No. I'm getting a not good nod back there. Okay. All right. So just put them on your fridge or wherever... Uh, you spend the most time during the day, all right? So those are in the back on our table. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump right into our message, right? Go right into the message, Pastor? Okay. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And as it says in your bulletin, uh, we're going to talk about the salvation of Cornelius. And again, want to thank you, Pastor, for the invite for this. And then... Um, uh, all of you, for what you've done to make those testimonies that you heard possible. Because we can't move if you don't move for God. We can't do anything if God's people don't move in our behalf and in obedience to God. So thank you for all you've done for us. Acts chapter 10, let's start here in verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band Called the Italian band. Now that's not a little five-piece combo that goes around doing, you know, performing music for weddings and bar mitzvahs. Okay, uh, this Italian band was a group of soldiers. This is not a musical group. A devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which... Uh, spake unto Cornelius was departed he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that uh, waited on him continually and when he had declared all these things unto them he sent them to Joppa let's pray father thank you again for the opportunity to open your word Uh, thank you God that we can trust it that it is uh, the word of God in truth and Lord we're uh, thankful for this story what an encouragement it is to us to see Uh, just to have you pull back the veil a little bit to show us your hand and how you work for the salvation of men and women. So we ask God that you'd bless not only the reading of your word, the preaching of your word, but that we would give the Holy Spirit opportunity to make application in our lives. And we thank you for all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So the salvation of Cornelius Uh, Verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Uh, A centurion was a, um, and I don't know what rank we might say in our understanding of army and marines and navy and everything, but um, he was over roughly 100 men. That's where they got the name centurion. So this guy Cornelius was up there in the ranks. Uh, The Roman government, uh, the Roman military was the big dog on the block at this time. They were the world power and they probably would not promote guys that could not do a good job. So Cornelius has some status here in the Roman army. Now why is he in uh, Caesarea? The reason he's there is they had a pure curator there which was like uh, their IRS guy, their finance guy. And of course, if you've seen any of the movie Chosen or studied uh, you know, any of the times, you know the Jews really resented the Romans and the way that they taxed them so heavily. So this centurion here, Cornelius, he really was the secret service arm of the Roman army, to protect the government officials that live there. So he's pretty high up in the uh, ranks here, which ought to be an encouragement to us that God can get a hold of anybody. It doesn't matter if it's our government, a foreign government. It doesn't matter if it's a high-up-ranking military officer. God can still get a hold of them. Sometimes we look and we say, oh, no, they're just too far up in life or whatever. They'll never get saved. God knows how to get a hold of them. Number two, a devout man, and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people, and prayed to God always. Notice what it says here about him. Again, this is recorded by the Holy Spirit. This isn't one of us looking at our buddies and saying, yeah, you're the best. He says here that he's a devout man, and one that feared God. Devout means just he led a good moral life. He was devout. He was dedicated to it. He feared God. Um, He was also a good father. Notice it says he feared God with all his house. So he taught his children. He taught his family to have this same fear of the Lord and gave much alms to the people. He was very generous. Uh, This is the guy that showed up at all the Kiwanis events and the local Rotary and whatever groups you have going on here in Elba. He would show up there. Oh, you're putting a new pavilion in. Let me help pay for that. He was very generous, very generous, gave alms. And then notice it says that he prayed to God always. Would to God, that was my testimony. I wish that was my testimony what people thought of me that I was devout and I raised my family well and that I was a good man. I gave alms and prayed. What a great testimony. And he's lost. And he's lost. So we say that for the two, two groups of people that may be in the room or watching here today. Doing all these good works does not save you. Doing, now notice, this. <laughs> uh, when I was lost, none of these things were said about me. I wish some of them are said about me as a believer, but when I was lost, nobody <laughs> said any of this about me. But yet our churches are filled with people that still think that their good works will get them to heaven. And maybe you're watching, or you're here, and you're not saved. You're not even trying to pretend. You know you're not a believer. Um, I just want to remind you that salvation is not by works which we have done. So Cornelius is a great guy, but he's lost. Verse 3. And he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for memorial before God." I want you to see that God noticed his efforts. Uh, uh, Brother Mike, I don't remember uh, with our age difference, this may not have been an issue when you went to Bible college, but one of the big things when I went was, does God hear lost people's prayers? And then the answer was, well, they only, God only hears if they pray salvation, for salvation. Uh, isn't it funny how just a little Bible can clear up some dumb questions in theology? Cornelius is lost, and God hears not only his prayers, but sees what he does in life. So God does see that. Next slide. Now, I just want you to be encouraged by these two verses. Job chapter thirty-three, twenty-nine. 29. And I would suggest you go in sometime and read from about verse 13 to about 30 of Job 32 or 33. You'll be really blessed to see how hard God works to bring lost people to salvation. But I want to read two of these verses. Lo, all these things worketh God, what? Oftentimes. 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 Sometimes we, we don't see all the work that God is doing behind the scenes to bring someone to salvation. Maybe they're rough with us at work, or maybe it's that parent uh, in one of your recre- you know one of the recreation leagues that's always just hard and yelling. And this, you have no idea what God is doing behind the scenes. Maybe it's that student at high school, or maybe you go to college and you've tried sharing the gospel with them, and they're just in your face and just get away from me. God, when? What frequency? Oftentimes. 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 With man. Why? To bring back his soul from the pit, to be enlightened with the light of the living. So never look at a person and say, they'll never get saved. They'll never receive the gospel. They're gonna, They're just going to reject me. And here, God says, oftentimes, I am working behind the scenes to bring this person to Christ. Verse 5, And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside, when uh, he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Notice God says to Cornelius that Peter's going to tell you what you need to do to get saved. God uses people to bring people to Christ. Churches Do not win people to Christ. This building does not win anyone to Christ. Now, I don't say that to have you stop your outreach events. I see you've got your sports VBS again this summer. Uh, You've probably got other things that you're doing within the community. Don't stop doing that. That's how a church, a congregation, makes connection with new people in the community. But realize, just getting them to an activity isn't what's going to bring them to salvation. It's the individual Christian that interacts with them that gets the opportunity to bring them the gospel. Uh, Romans 10.14 How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a church? What does that verse say? How the how shall they hear without a preacher? Without a preacher, we sometimes just well we'll just let the church, the church, the church. We are the church. It is us that God has taxed, taxed, uh, 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 tasked. Thank you, uh, tasked with bringing the gospel to people. Not this building. And what is the gospel? It is good news. Uh, and, and, and and telling someone, just accept Jesus in your heart. Just pray. Just pray a prayer. No, just a prayer doesn't bring some salvation. Just accept Jesus in your heart. No, you never see that phrase in Scripture. That's where the Holy Spirit takes residence. How about just turn your life around, or turn over a new leaf, or do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So, just by way of review, and then also for those... That may not know Christ as your Savior, what is the gospel? Number one, realize who Jesus Christ is. Uh, he wasn't just a good teacher, he wasn't just, you know, going around handing out lollipops and kissing babies. Uh, he wasn't just a prophet, he was so much more. Uh, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. You say, Do you understand all that? Nope. I just believe it. What does Paul say? He goes, great is the controversy about this mystery of God becoming a man, coming down in the flesh. I don't understand all those nuances, but I do know John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and what? The Word was God. And then if we needed further clarification, John helps us in verse 14 and says, the Word was made what? and dwelt among us isn't it great that that God is not a God afar of off but when we look at Jesus Christ he's not just a good man he is God manifest in the flesh secondly we have to realize that we're a sinner um, Bible says Romans three twenty three: all have sinned and come short of the glory of God um, may I give you an illustration that may help you as you witness to others most people believe that their good works are going to get them to heaven, right? If you That's 99% of every religious system is based on your good works getting you to heaven. And what they're hoping, they're hoping for two things, that there's more good than there is bad, and when they get put on the scale, hopefully there's the good is heavier, or what they're hoping is when they get on the scale, Adolf Hitler is on the other side. Now, I might even have a chance of getting in if I'm compared to Adolf Hitler, right? Now the whole thing, my good works versus my bad works, I mean, how, do you, how much weight is there to helping uh, an elderly person across the street versus murdering someone in your heart? Now, how, many, how many old ladies have I got to get on the bus to take care of that time I hated someone I wanted to kill him right so that's kind of hard so this is the illustration I use it says notice that we come short of what the glory of God so I am on one side of the scale and guess who is on the other Jesus Christ now if I'm on the scale first and he steps on it's going to look like a catapult he's just got it as soon as he hits that thing I'm going to go flying so as you witness to people, let them know, they're not going to be measured against good versus bad works. They're not going to be measured against because what do we do? We always think when we're going to get measured, we're going to pick the worst person we know, right? Right? Say no. You're going to be measured against the glory of God, which is Hebrews chapter one, Jesus Christ. So good illustration to you, the wages of sin is what? It is death. Number three, you must realize you have to repent of your sin. Uh, this is gone in a lot of gospel presentations. It's just they want everything to be warm fuzzies where you're just you're picking up Jesus and adding him to your life or your schedule. But something has to happen before. Repentance, turn from, admit wrong, change of mind, tell God you're sorry. Um, Acts 17.30, But now commandeth all men, what? everywhere to repent and then acts 20 21 testifying both to the jews and also the greeks it's not for one particular religion it's not for one particular group of people notice what it says repentance toward god and then what one of the definitions of repent is to turn and then faith toward the lord jesus christ there's some people that are really bothered you watch uh, just do YouTube searches in the two weeks leading up to Easter. And you watch the number of people around the world that will do all sorts of physical harm to themselves because they think they're doing penance for their sins. But they never turn and put their faith in Jesus Christ. Any time of year, you can watch people say, oh yeah, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus. Oh yeah, he was that cool guy and you know, ran around doing good things but they've never repented of your sin. Notice that when when Luke writes the the story here of Acts chapter 20, uh, recording what Paul said, it is repentance toward God, God, I am sorry for my sin, and then faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Most people have one or the other. And then realize that you can't earn your salvation. Ephesians 2.8-9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, It is the gift of God, what? Not of works, lest any man should boast. We could all walk around bragging about how we earned our salvation. And he says you can't boast. And then the second half of Romans 6.23, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Think about the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip is witnessing to him. They're in the chariot. The Ethiopian eunuch says, oh look, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip says, You've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ first. You can't get, because baptism, as a religious man, the eunuch thought that that baptism would get him salvation and forgiveness of sins. And Philip says, no, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about the thief of the cross. Uh, you know, Bryce did his testimony, or his devotional all about that death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You think about for half of the time that they hung on the cross, both thieves attacked Jesus viciously. And then as that one thief just watched how Jesus... How do you do that? People hang you on a cross to crucify you and you pray, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that thief is listening to those famous last seven phrases of Jesus and he's going, this guy is different. This guy is different and finally says to Jesus, "'Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom.'" And what does Jesus say? I'm sorry, you've got to get baptized, you've got to join a church. Oh yeah, the biggie, because I'm hanging around with John the Baptist, you've got to give money, um, or at least bring a potluck for lunch today. Um, Notice he didn't say any of that. He said, "'This day thou shalt be with me in paradise.'" The thief never had a chance to do anything religious to earn his salvation. And yet Jesus says, This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. So we don't have to earn it. How do you get it? Romans or John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. If I had this gift here for this young lady... And I said, I just want you to know that uh, I thought about this. I thought you could really use it. And uh, I paid the price. I didn't even go to Amazon. I actually went to a store and I bought it. What's your name? Aubrey. Aubrey. So this gift is for you. When did it become hers? When she took action and received the gift. Have you ever um, given someone... Uh, a a wedding gift Uh, july 16th we're going to get a chance to uh, participate in that our daughter is uh, engaged to be married july 16th and uh, imagine if you uh, went to the effort uh, to buy something for our daughter and her fiance and then they are so appreciated, they invited you over for dinner And you come over for dinner and maybe you got a really nice decorative vase or something, you know, uh, those uh, flowers that last forever, nothing that we've ever had in our house. Um, And then you're thinking like, I can't wait, maybe we're going to put it on the dining room table or have it over on the vestibule or the credenza, you know, where are they going to put it, you know. And you come over and you're trying not to be nosy and you're just kind of peeking around and looking and there it is, (laughs) there it is. It's still in the box. It's wrapped. The card is still under the bow. You paid the price. You put all the thought into it. Did they really receive your gift? People ask how could a loving God send people to hell? It's because they've rejected his gift. So if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, Realize it's not just what you know, it's taking that step, as Aubrey did, to reach out and receive it. Next slide, Romans 10:9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and the mouth, confession is made unto salvation, for whosoever shall just know these things? What does it say? Whosoever shall what? Call upon the name of the Lord. Do we have the right one? Verse 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. See, there's that receiving of the gift. So if you've never done that here today, hey, Cornelius was more religious than any of us. And he was still a lost man that needed to get saved. So if you're here today and you don't know Christ, or you're watching online, or will watch in the future... Realize that your devotion to God does not grant you salvation. It's by receiving the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Verse 7, And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants, and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto him, them, He sent them to Joppa on the morrow as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city. Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Notice Peter's just going up to do his devotions. He's just going up to the top of the house to pray. Simon the Tanner, remember his roommate... Uh, He's in charge of making lunch, he's really loud in the kitchen, he's clanging pans, and the microwave is beeping, and the oven is going off, and the phone is ringing, so Peter says, I'm tired of all that, I'm trying to concentrate, so he goes up to the rooftop to do his devotions. Verse 10, and as he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And saw heaven opened, and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. For I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Can I just give you some, just a little side note here. Don't try to outrighteous God. You know, God's telling you to do something or giving you permission to do something. Don't get into a theological debate about whether it's okay. You know what I'm saying? So Peter going, not me, Lord. I'm the man. I've never eaten anything unclean. I've never even pulled into a McDonald's. And, uh, but uh, verse 15, the voice spake again unto him the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call thou not common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. God used an illustration to break Peter's cultural and religious bias. The Old Testament law concerning clean and unclean animals is what Peter was still living by, but God was trying to show Peter that the Gentiles were his creation too. And he should do the work of an evangelist with them. Maybe we need to look at the lost differently. Next slide. Uh, God's attitude towards the lost very, often is very different than us. Ezekiel thirty-three eleven. Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. That's not always been my attitude. There have been times when certain wicked people that I knew were being followed and leading people to hell. I was glad that they died and went to hell. But God does not think that way. That verse was a stark reminder that my theology about the sin that people brought into the world should not make me hate them to the point that I want them to die and go to hell. He says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Look at Second Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Aren't you glad the first time you sinned, God didn't kill you? The first time that we violated His holy law, we violated His holy character, His righteousness, the first time that we sinned, God didn't say, sorry, Gary. You blew it, man. Bam! You're in hell. But God is not slack. He is long-suffering to usward, not willing that what? Any should perish. So God is working on Peter's heart while he's giving Cornelius these instructions. Verse 17, Now while Peter doubted in himself what the vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry, for Simon's house, and stood before the gate. And he called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, was lodged there. Notice how God is working out all these details. God is dealing with Cornelius the day before, and he is so taken by this vision, this conversation with God, he sends this soldier and two of his servants to go find Peter. And then the next day, God's working on Peter, so when these strangers show up, He actually listens to them and follows them down to, or up to Caesarea to talk to Cornelius. The timing, God working out all those details behind the scenes. 19. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Now, just again, a little side note this is free, okay? This is free, a little extra. A lot of people get confused trying to find the will of God. Or they have to make a decision. And they kind of, in their mind, have a system set up that they go, if these things happen, then I know it's the will of God. And many times when we make those decisions, the first thing thing that we determine it by are circumstances. Oh, Oh, look at that. I wanted to go to an island with lots of blue water, and this person wore blue today. It must be the will of God. And we, we know somebody that said they were going to go to a particular country that was known for a particular color, and it's because they saw someone at work wearing that color. May I suggest the pattern that we see here with Peter. First thing he's doing, he's praying. What did he go up to the top of the house to do? He went up to pray. He went to do his devotions. And then the Word of God came to him. Now, we may not get it in an audible voice, but I know where we can get it in uh, about a thousand pages. Right here. We can get the voice of God. And then notice the circumstances supported his prayer and his time in the Word. If you keep circumstances at the end of your criteria for determining the will of God... I think our decisions will be much better. First of all, prayer. Second of all, the Word. And then let God confirm that through the circumstances. So he's dealing with Peter. Hey, Peter, I want you to go talk to these guys. Don't call anything common or unclean. He says, they're all my creatures. And then all of a sudden, right when God gets done, there's this knock at the door. So prayer, the Word of God, and then circumstances. Noticed that God gave clear direction with no directions. He didn't tell them the guys' names. He didn't tell them why they were there. He didn't tell them what they were going to do. He just said, There's three guys that are seeking for you. Go down and talk to them. That was it. Think about Abraham. Abraham explaining to Sarah, Oh, uh, we're going to move. Oh, oh great. I've never liked to hear in the ear of the Chaldees, uh, you know, it's kind of hot, dry like Texas, and I want to move somewhere moist, like New York. And, uh, and, and so you go, when are we leaving? Um, as soon as we can. Well, where are we going to stay? I don't know. Do you have a AAA tour map? No. Well, well how are we going to know when we get there? Well, just God will tell us. Go ahead, guys. After you figure out what to give the special women in your lives, now you can't give them flowers because of Bryce you try that one on them and see how well that goes over. Hey, we're just going to pack up and move. Where are we going? I don't know. I mean, uh, it's not going to go well. So God says, okay, I want you to go, but He doesn't give Him any details. 21, Then Peter went down to the men which were sent uh, unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? God didn't reveal why they were there to Peter. Peter just had to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading. Sometimes we don't obey unless we have all the details or unless we're guaranteed that the results will be good. That is not a step of faith. God did not tell him the purpose and God did not tell him the rewards. He just said, you go with these guys. What are they going to do, take me down a back alley and beat me up? God just said, go. So if you need all the details and you're gonna, you, you have to have your return on investment all set up, that's not a step of faith. 22, and they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Then called he them in, and lodged them, and on the morrow Peter went with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him, and on the morrow morrow after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinsmen and his friends. Conclusion. Here we are. We're all done. You can start thinking about what you brought in that crockpot. It is now okay to do that. I know you had to postpone that a little bit because you didn't know how long this was going to go. Number one. Opportunities become apparent when we are in communion with God. What was Peter doing when God got a hold of him? Church? Where was he? Up on the house, rooftop, up on the house, praying. Look at verse 9. Uh, and on the morrow as they went on their journey in nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. John 4.35 says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, already to harvest. Sometimes we go, ah, just, you know, it's the end times. It's a Laodicean church age. There's not going to be a revival. Nobody's going to get saved. And guess what? They won't with that attitude. But how frequent does God work in people's lives? Oftentimes. Oftentimes, notice how he worked here. So don't say, "Well, we got to wait, and then there'll be a harvest." No, the harvest is today. Matthew nine thirty seven. Then saith he unto his disciples, "The harvest is truly, uh, truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few." And what does Jesus? How does Jesus remedy this problem? Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So if he says the fields are white. And he needs laborers. That tells me two things. Somebody's not praying and somebody's not obeying and going. Right? Did Jesus say they were white unto harvest? Do we know that Jesus has, takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked and he's not willing that any should perish? So somebody's not praying because I think we know that if we pray for a particular group of people, God may send us to them. And then someone is not obeying With our eyes on God's kingdom, praying for the lost, you may become God's agent of deliverance in their eyes. Number two, don't worry about having all the details. Just obey what you know. God didn't give Peter all the details. He just said, look, there's three guys down here waiting to talk to you. Just go with them. I mean, that's it? Should I, I mean, I mean, uh, how many pair of underwear? I mean, what should I pack? Did, did, did we bring the kids? You remember Peter's married. Should I bring my wife along? You know, wh- no details. You see these three guys? I sent them. You just follow them. Okay. All right. So don't worry about having all the details. He didn't know what to expect. He didn't know how long it would take. He didn't know if it would be a waste of time. And he didn't know if it was a Roman trap. Remember what was going on in Israel at this time. Roman persecution of the Jews and Christians. So here Peter is both. He's a Jew and he's the leader of the church. A Roman soldier shows up at your door and you're supposed to just follow him. Maybe it was a trap. I'm sure it went through his mind. Number three, don't worry about the results. Uh, They may be far greater than you imagine. In verse 24, I want you to look at that. So, So now Peter knows what? Cornelius has called him and he sent his soldier and two servants to pick him up, right? Probably not a limo, but just went up to get him. And he sends him up to get him. And what does Cornelius have waiting for Peter? Him, his family, his kinfolk, and his friends. So Peter has a little bit of the glimpse. He goes, oh, I'm going to go witness to Cornelius. And Cornelius says, Peter, let me help you out. I'm going to gather a crowd for you to witness to. Sometimes we go, man, I just don't know if it'll be worth it. I don't know if I should put all this effort into the this, this sports VBS.
1: Ah!
0: And God may bring more people this summer than you've ever had to that activity. Ephesians 3.20, Now unto Him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. See, it's God that's working behind the scenes. I might get rejected. They might ask me a question I can't answer. Okay. Did everyone you ask out on a date say yes? Well, well, stud muffin like you, I can understand that. Bruce, right? Right. It'll be easy to pray for you now. All right. Um, did you make every team you've tried out for? Okay. Um, did every job interview land you that perfect job? Okay. Did every sales call go as planned? No. no. Did every crop you plant give you a great yield? No. But when it comes to soul winning, all of a sudden, we've got to know how many we're going to lead and how it's going to go, and I hope nobody asks me any tough questions because I might be embarrassed. But all those things have happened to us in every other aspect of our lives. So don't worry about the results. Maybe God's got a whole room of people assembled by Cornelius, and you didn't even have to get them all there. We just have to go. Last, last point. Number four. Realize you are the voice of God in someone's life, <clears throat> this, I, I, I don't have any answer for this. Why didn't God witness Cornelius? Right? God, God and Cornelius are talking like we are here. God and Cornelius, God gives him Peter's name, his address. His Instagram account, his Facebook page, his cell phone number. God gives Cornelius everything there is to know about Peter. And God didn't witness to Cornelius. Didn't he know the Romans road? Oh, that's right. It wasn't written yet. Sorry. Didn't he know the Psalms road? Didn't he know Isaiah 52 and 53 about the crucifixion of his son? you understand, young man? God did not witness to him because he wants us to witness to him. Who do you think would do a better job of leading an athlete to Christ? Me or God? And who did he send? These two fossils back onto a college campus 51 years old, and we're going back on the college campus? Can't you do better job? God goes, yeah, I can. But God in churches don't win people to Christ. Christians do. 26 athletes and NARPs have accepted Christ in 12 years. And God could have done a much better job witnessing to them. God uses His people to bring the gospel to the world. So here's our map, uh, Caesarea on the top, Joppa on the bottom. It's 40 miles apart, 40 miles. Now, the average person, I know with my legs it's a little faster, okay, uh, Aubrey, 5'3", five, 5'4", five, <laughs> uh, it's not true confession, you just, just nod, just nod. <laughs> So, Aubrey's going to do three steps to my two, okay? But the average person walks about three miles an hour. So that's 13 hours of walking to get there. 13 hours. Now, maybe he had an eight-cylinder camel. I don't know, okay? Maybe he's got a turbocharged sport model donkey, okay? Now, I did check because most people say, oh, they were ride a donkey. A donkey, you know what the average speed of a donkey is? three miles an hour if you go back to leviticus you'll see a time between donkeys and humans and their soul um 13 hours 13 hours of walking one way not even knowing if anybody was going to be there but cornelius what does a soul cost what is a soul worth I think it's very appropriate today's devotional was about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the most brutal death that man has ever seen. All we have to do is see the price that Christ paid to answer those questions. For Peter, it was time and 40 miles of uh, tough travel for 13 hours one way. Are we willing to pay the price of reaching the world for Christ? The fields are, Jesus Himself speaking, the fields are what? White unto harvest. God just needs reapers to go into the fields. Are we willing to go? Are we willing to go to a neighbor? Are we willing to go to a campus? Are we willing to go to a different county, a different state, or a different country? to bring the gospel to someone you have no idea what god is doing in their heart to prepare them for you to bring the message pastor
1: all right well uh thank you gary and Jane for coming and uh, sharing with us today. Uh, it's a good message and one certainly for us to think a lot about as we move forward, uh, about what the church's vision is, loving Christ, growing the church, reaching the community. How do we do that? Well, it takes us being the hands and feet of Jesus, and uh, I'm so glad that we have the opportunity to support them and the work that they are doing, uh, and I'm excited to hear about some opportunities in the future, maybe for us to partner with them and help them as they continue to do that. Uh, let's pray together, and then we'll be dismissed and head downstairs. Father, we thank you for uh, this time, uh, for for all the work that you're doing uh, around the world, Uh, but God, we pray about what you want us to do right here um, in Elba, in the surrounding communities, Genesee County, in the state of New York, and our country, the United States. We pray that um, as there will be opportunities for us in the near future, we know that, uh, that you've prepared for us in advance, and that we would walk in those uh, faithfully, uh, help us to be ready for those. Um, God, we love you, and it's your name we pray. Amen. We'll head downstairs and enjoy the food. I know you've been smelling it, so let's go eat it.